Hello, welcome to Belonging Before Believing, where we're foaming our beers and questioning guitarists. I'm Patrick Mathers. And I'm Brian Gumpy. You look like you have no clue what I'm talking about. Always. Which is a look that I'm so familiar with. <laughs> so Joel gave me this beer. It's called Two Tickets to Paradise. Two Tickets to Paradise. Who sang that song? Oh, why would you do that to me? Well, it's called Two Tickets to Paradise while you're thinking of that. And it's a Saison with hibiscus and lime. And it's every bit as good as my singing. <laughs> Sorry, Joel. No, it's not that bad. It's actually pretty good. I am oh. not a Saison fan. Eddie Money. Eddie Money. Oh, Eddie man. Money. I would not have guessed that. Eddie Money. So Eddie Money sang the song and ended up inspiring the, this beer somehow, some way from Maui Brewing. He inspired you know, a lot more than that. It, it, he did. A, a Geico commercial. Oh. He was the travel agent because he had two tickets to paradise. <laughs> Okay, and the questioning guitarists part? Oh, so I'm sitting here looking at the top guitarists according to Rolling Stone, and there's 20 of them, and they're listed, and some of them I've never even heard of, but I'm not sure about some of the listing here. So, like, it has Jimi Hendrix, Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, Keith Richards, and Jeff Beck. Top five. Keith Richards? No, I I totally get it, (sighs) Uh, but... But he, he at least needs to be in that conversation. Yeah. Okay. Then next, B.B. King, Chuck Berry, Eddie Van Halen, Dwayne Allman, and Pete Townsend. Okay, again, all of those guys just shred. I mean, I'm not a guitarist or musician. Yeah. I know all of those guys. I've heard all of their, you know, not all their songs. I've heard many of their songs. So I know they're good. Next, listen to this. George Harrison, 11, Stevie Ray Vaughan, 12. What universe do we live in that George Harrison is a better guitarist than Stevie Ray Vaughan? <laughs> I am questioning guitarists. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then they're here. Then the list goes to people I don't know. Albert King, David Gilmore, Freddie King, Derek Tux. All the Kings. Yeah. And, and so I don't know any of those that I just listed. And then come some that I do know. Wait, Neil- is it Derek Trucks? Trucks, yeah, 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 yeah. sorry. Dude, sorry. that guy, I said it wrong. He's, so he's a blues guitarist, and mm-hmm. he uses his slide mm-hmm. to make his guitar, he does this thing, it's like his signature thing, he can make his guitar sound like a horse whinnying. It's, <laughs> it's weird, you, you should check it out. Well, you make the list if you can make your guitar sound like a horse. So we were on our way to... That should have been my intro. Right. We're making guitars sound like <laughs> horses. <laughs> we were on our way to a work trip, and... Uh, I was with a couple friends, and um, oh, Cody listens to this podcast, so he was with me, and um, Molly, who has great music taste as well, and we were trying to come up with our top five rock and roll voices, and um, there was there was quite a bit of uh, dissension. It was not easy to come up with a Ooh. consensus for top five okay. rock and roll voices. Can I? Sure. Okay. These are just going to be. Random, they're not in order of one to five, okay. but it's just the ones that I think of right off the top of my head. First one's Morrissey. Rock and roll voices? No, it's... Okay, granted. Well, he's kind of rockabilly, especially his, his solo stuff. Yes, I'm going to say Morrissey. Okay, there would have been more dissension if you had been in the car. Here's why. No, that's fine. That's fine. Here, here's why. All of these voices, as soon as a note is sung, you know immediately who it is. 
You can say this. And they're influential. No, no, no. You can't say that with everybody. No, I wasn't going to say everybody, but I was going to say some name who shouldn't be on top of Anyway, other For four. For sure, but they're influential and they're good your, at what they do. At your other four. My, okay. Ian Brown from the Stone Roses, who you probably wouldn't know, but I, as soon as he starts singing, I'm going to know who, who I'll he is. Because I your, love the Stone Roses. I'll find out at your funeral. I'm going to have Fat Boy Slim, not Stone Roses at my funeral. We talked. We had an episode on this. I thought Fat Boy Slim was like this? what your pallbearers were going to yes, carry you. Yes, that's it. But then something at your memorial with the stoner. Anyway, moving on. My apologies. Do you listen to this podcast? Ah. That's what you asked me earlier. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this one's going to be crazy, but Bono. Uh, no, I get right? it. You immediately know who it is, which is weird because I think the edge. That should, is the least crazy of the, the three you've okay, said so the far. The edge should be on this list somewhere too. Yeah, you're right. Right, that guy, and, no, and so so should Johnny Marr from the Smiths. He should be on this list somewhere too, right? I mean, you are just doing such a great job of giving people your cultural landscape of your adolescence right now. It's great. Yeah, and it's not bad. I I, I appreciate it about you. Okay, you ready? Ready? So I'm going. So Robert Smith from the Cure. I'm not a huge Cure fan. However, he is the Cure. And it's his voice. It isn't just the sound of the band. It's his voice. If he wasn't there, so that band has had every single member of the band change over the years, except for him. He's the only one that's been consistent. And if he wasn't there, it just wouldn't be the band. Okay? Then my last one, this is crazy, but it's just, it comes to my mind. So I got to say, Anthony Kiedis from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, wow. You, you, he, he can't, you, you, Perhaps could have a replacement for Flea, but you couldn't replace him and his voice. You couldn't do that. It wouldn't would not be the Red Hot Chili Peppers without. I agree. I don't know if that earns him top five rock and roll voices, but it's no, your list. no, no, no. It's 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 the first five that I think of, and to be perfectly fair and honest, it's the first five that I think of that I'm trying to not have on other people's lists. Okay. So I'm not thinking of... You're trying to El- be unique. Right. I'm trying to... I'm trying... And to be a little provocative. Yeah, that's me. Who, who you? <laughs> I mean, for sure, it's got to be like Elvis. It's got to be Paul McCartney. It's got to be John Lennon, right? Those are the top three. Right? Who... Right? Rock and roll is vast. Jo- that's the Johnny thing. Cash, but, so but much these are the Johnny ones... Johnny Cash, interesting. Right. But I mean, his voice is like you, you immediately... He's got to be in, the, in that conversation. See, to me, my number one, like, the quintessential rock and roll voice to me is Robert Plant, Led Zeppelin. Okay. Really? Number one? I think I think he deserves a place at the table. I don't think he's number one. Oh, man. See, to me, that's the most rock and roll voice When you say rock and roll, how can you not immediately say Elvis? I don't know. You have to. Because he could sing anything else, too. Elvis? Yeah. Right, Robert Plant can't. Right, that's He's rock and roll. But he's not. Yeah. Anyway, I had a point in bringing up the story because you're talking about like throwing George Harrison on top of, you know, Steve Ray Vaughn. Yeah. So that's a travesty. We we are having some disagreements on who should be on this list and who shouldn't. So I pull up what I knew Rolling Stone would have the top rock and roll voices. And by the time you get to like number 30, it gets really weird really fast. I think number 50 was like James Taylor. We're talking. Hey, where does any money come on that we're list? We're talking <laughs> rock and roll any money. voices, dude. Yeah, two tickets to paradise. Dude, like if 
if James Taylor is 50, that means Steve Winwood is like 32 and like the guys from Survivor are like number 19. Wow. You know, I the Tiger. Yeah, yeah. no, I know. Yeah. yeah. Oh god. I wasn't going to sing it though. Michael Bublé, what is he like number 54? <laughs> My word. Like I there should have been like some local bands from Sacramento <laughs> who made the list. Papa Roach. Or, that guy, yes. That guy from Papa Roach. Yeah. Kobe Dick. His name's Kobe wow, Dick. Wow. Well done. That's yeah. a deep cut, dude. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. But I didn't know who sang Two Tickets to Paradise. So whatever. <laughs> oh man, that was a long and winding road to get where we are now. Speaking of where we are now. Yeah. What do we want to tell people today? What do you wish your non-Christian friends knew about you and your faith the most? That you can enjoy secular music and... That's a, what you want them to a, know the most. Be a normal person and not be super weird. <laughs> you don't have to move out to the country and be Amish. Dust off you, your Carmen you, records. Women, you don't have to cover up all of your skin except for your head. <laughs> um, Carmen records? What? I'm just trying to think of the weirdest Christian music. I Men, can you of. should grow a beard, but you don't have to. Especially if you can't. I, I, you're so sweet. You're such a sweetheart. Okay. There are so many things that are just ridiculously Christian that I want to tell people, this is not it. This isn't Christian. Yeah. You don't have to homeschool your kids. <laughs> There's so many things. But okay. Seriously. I don't think I have it. Well, of course, the most important thing that I want to tell people is the gospel. Right. Because it's the best thing that there is. I want to tell people that you know your sin and you have guilt and you have shame for the things that you've done, just like I have, that my sin is ever before me and that I try to pacify it. I try to drown it out. I try to to not address it. But the truth of the matter is, is there is a solution is that Christ has come and paid the penalty that I deserve for my sin. And Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he took the wrath that I deserve for my sin, the judgment that I deserve from God. And he bore that shame, that wrath, that judgment in my place so that I could be saved, that I could be now before God's sight seen as righteous. God treated Jesus as if he was me so he could treat me as if I lived Jesus' perfect life. That, that's the most important thing that we could tell anybody. Grace. God's grace and his mercy are for anyone who believes. And of course, that's what I would say, is I want people to know the grace and the mercy of the Lord. Yeah, I think, gosh, we're just going to be saying the same thing in like 19 different ways, I think. But I think of two different types of people and to one, I would say you think that you're, you have it so good and you're so happy, but I know that deep down you're miserable and, and you don't have to be. Um, and to the others, I would say, I, I know that you feel like a pile of hot garbage and you're miserable, but you don't have to be. <laughs> when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, you're lonely. Yep. You're scared. Um, there's hurt. There's pain. You don't feel like you have purpose. You don't feel like you have direction. It's terrifying. Guilt. Yeah. Shame. Yeah. Lost. Lost. I, I and the reason we know all those things is because we because we understand it. We've lived there. We've been there. I mean, I I remember 
before I was a Christian, just being absolutely terrified to be alone at night. I, man, I remember, like I'm I kind of am emotionally feeling it right now. Just the, the being alone at night with my in my own head and my own thoughts was something I tried to avoid at all costs because of that 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 sense of absolute aloneness, that sense of of shame knowing all of myself being in terrible fear that somebody would find out about me how big of a fraud I am and all and the all, all the things that I do and think and say and that that the facade that I put on isn't true and and then and then to be even worse to realize that I have guilt for the things that I've done and I'm I'm accountable for it it's oh, so terrifying the I have never experienced rest true rest for my soul until I experienced the forgiveness that Christ gives I mean that day July 1st 1993 that's like that's like a watershed moment not because just I got saved but because for the first time in my life I was really at rest in my soul I really had peace in my soul I had hope I had a joy it really is not an understatement to call salvation being born again. <laughs> There's a reason Jesus called it that there in John 3, is because in every just about sense of the word, I mean, I wasn't physically born again, but um, it's, it's almost like I, I was a completely new person from that point going forward. Yeah. I th- what I think about is it's it's tempting to look at it as, oh, to become a Christian means giving things up. I'm not going to be able to behave the way that I do now. I'm not going to have the freedom to just do whatever I want. My, you know, allegiance is going to be to someone or something. Um, I'm going to have a bunch of rules I have to follow. I'm going to have a certain way that my life is going to change. And I'm signing. It's, it's like you're being drafted and you're, you're giving up your, your freedom for a bunch of structure and and duty um and so it makes me don't i i'll try to connect the dots here but this made me think of this story where i remember um not long after i got married i went to some it was like it was like a work dinner or something but it was like 90 percent girls and you know they're all my age and we're sitting there and we're eating and we're talking and everything else and um, you know, to a lot of guys, getting married means that you're giving up freedom. That shirt that says "Game Over." Yeah, yeah. To be able to do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I remember leaving that dinner with all of these girls and texting my wife and telling her, "I think you're like the only girl who doesn't drive me absolutely nuts now." <laughs> I love that. <laughs> They were driving me crazy. And, and it, they just were behaving a certain way a certain night. Like, they're all my friends and stuff like that. But at the same time, I remember thinking, like, oh, gosh, every woman is just terrible compared to my wife. Like, my wife is just the best, and I don't really have any desire to hang out with any other woman. Like, to me, that's what Christianity is. Like, you're clinging to all this stuff that you're going to have to give up in your own mind and all this duty that you're going to have. But once you have it, that's not the way it looks at all. Yeah. There's no burden. 
There's no remorse. Oh, what have I done? I wish I could go back to the way that things were before. That's just not how it feels. You know what? It, what, what I'd want to tell somebody, apart from everything, I want to say everything that I've already said, but I think that where I would want to get to, and I understand that it's a little bit self-centered, meaning that I'm going to be pointing people towards themselves a little bit. So don't criticize me for that, listener. Just hear me out. I would want to tell people that it, when you embrace Christ, when you become a Christian, you, for the first time, really get to be the real you. You, you get to, all of a sudden, there's not a mask. Now, some Christians and some churches kind of force you into a mold where you do got to put on a mask again, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. And that, that's part of the reason why we want to do this podcast is to tear that myth down and to, to get people to not focus on that. But you get to be the real you. So for me, I, I, I get to actually be me. I, I don't, I'm not putting on a show. I'm not putting on a farce. I'm me with all of my, you know, warts and all is the saying, you know, is I, I, do, I don't really candy coat a whole lot. I, I, I am me. And Christ accepts me. He saved me. He predestined me. He's the one. He died and atoned for my sins. He, with purpose and forethought, chose that he would save me from my sins. And I would want anybody out there who doesn't go to church to know that if you believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that you can, for the first time, really, truly be the real you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, to my non-Christian friends... Um, I would ask, do you, do you really think that you're doing so great without Jesus? When you have your head on your pillow, we keep saying that because that's when you're, it's, it's real. That's That's when you're quiet, you're at like, well, I say at rest, but when you're still and you're just alone with your thoughts, there's no pretense, there's nothing but you and your thoughts. So when you're there, you really honestly feel like you're just crushing it day in, day out. I kind of doubt it. Yeah. I kind of doubt it. Not to say that now I feel like I'm crushing it day in, day out. Now I know I don't need to crush it day in and day out. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's another thing that goes along with this that I would want to say. I, you know what? Honestly, I could do this for hours. Right. But th- th- there's one more thing that I th- think I want to say is that there are so many fewer things you think you, you, you there's so many things you're actually going to have to give up than you think you do. Totally. You know, you think you're, it's going to completely, you know, the, the fear is, is, well, I'm going to have to give this up. I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to change this. I can't, this can't happen. And the reality, most of those things aren't true. And the things that, our blessings that come along with knowing Christ and loving him uh, outweigh anything you actually do have to give up. The things that you do give up are the things that bring you burden and bring you difficulty and bring you hardship and shame right now. Um, and pain. And pain. And you know what? Honestly, those things that don't bring you that, like, like look, we, we sit around and we really enjoy ourselves and we really enjoy our time. And I think a lot of people think that becoming a Christian means you don't have a good time anymore. And that's like, it's, it's kind of silly, but at the same time, it's not because it's so not true. 
But yet I know a lot of churches out there, like I've gone and spoken at a couple that just, you know what, if I were going here, I realize I would not be having a good time. <laughs> and that it tells me that there's a problem in that church, not a problem with Christ and his grace and his forgiveness and salvation. Isn't that like a big common denominator with so many churches, though, is that they actually genuinely have a joy problem? You know, so I've been going to these other churches around town and visiting them since we meet in the afternoons. I can go to these other churches in the mornings. And I've only been to one church so far that I felt like there's joy here. I think they know Jesus here really well. The other ones, I don't, I'm not saying that there isn't Christians there and that this isn't this isn't a, this is a cult or something like that. Don't mishear me, but but I certainly have gone in there and gone out of there going. I'm not sure there was anything distinctly Christian. This could have been a concert with a dude giving a motivational speech, and I would have just walked away with the exact same feelings. Whereas I go to a church that truly loves Christ and is just nuts for him. I'm going to walk out of there with joy. I'm going to walk out of there knowing Jesus better and loving him more than I did when I came in. And unfortunately, that hasn't been my experience going and visiting other churches. So I'd want you to know that. I would want you to know that you genuinely can experience joy, that deep down, resounding. It isn't just an emotion. It's a steady state of existence. That even if you go through hard times and depression, that joy is still there. And it's what keeps you rooted and anchored through the tough times. Yeah. I think I got a question of the day. What are your top five rock and roll voices? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Just do top two, because I don't want to hear people's top five. No, I want to hear people's top five. <sighs> Sorry, dude. That just went from a... You're only half of this podcast. That just went from a three-minute conversation to a 17-minute conversation. What? It's in comments. Oh, okay. But people are going to say it to me. Anyway. All right. I'll talk to somebody for 17 minutes. I like that episode a lot. Um, I think that that was practical. And I love that that's something that hopefully resonates with our non-Christian audience. Because that's who... And our Christian ones, too. Get right. with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, quit being screwy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's some rebukes in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Please go answer that question of the day. We believe that you belong. You belong.